Today on Abounding Grace from Pastor Ed Taylor. Bible study and devotions are not just intellectual times. They're not just to check a box and click a little thing on your, you know, maybe a reading plan on your phone. And you just go, boom, I read today. I got through it. I was a No, no, there are spiritual time. There are profound times of spiritual equipping for you. And so you have the opportunity, some of you, to get up early in the morning and meet the Lord with your cup of coffee or your tea, and you just got the word open. You're like, Lord, meet me here. I've got the day ahead of me. And maybe you have to get out too quickly, and and it's not until lunchtime where you're able to crack open the word and go, man, I just need... Or you have such a crazy day that it's not until before dinner. You just, you have to stop and get something on the way home. You have your Bible there, and you open it up. I want you to know that where you are, God will meet you there. This is amazing grace. Hello again. Glad you could join us today for Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor will be with us in a second, and we'll be continuing our study of John's Gospel. We left off in John chapter 1 at verse 43, and we're going to draw your attention to the wonderful way God works and how the Gospel goes forth and changes lives. In short, the Gospel is given, someone gets saved, and then that leads to the Gospel being shared with someone else. You're about to see that unfold as Jesus is heading to Galilee. Well, if you would, please take your Bibles, open them to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. We are studying, if you've just joined us, the Gospel of John, verse by verse and chapter by chapter. We've just started. This is our 10th Bible study, and today we'll be finishing chapter 1. And the reason we've taken such a long time in just one chapter is there are many foundational truths you just don't want to skip over whether it was learning about the incarnation of Jesus or his origin in terms of his humanity and his eternality in terms of being God. We went through verse by verse very slowly, sometimes just really focusing on the reality of the present condition of where we find Jesus. And we left off last time in verse 43. So let's pick up there for our time today. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus is on the move. Things are happening that are glorious and wonderful. Lives are being changed forever. Jesus is about to begin a very public ministry as we open up in chapter 2 next time at the wedding in Cana. He's going to do his first miraculous sign there. And he will embark upon a three-year ministry that will forever change the lives of those that have come in contact with him all the way to this day, his life and his death and his resurrection has having impact on people's lives. Philip here, we're introduced to, was found, it says, by Jesus and told to follow him. 
Philip then went and found Nathanael, it says in verse 45, and told him, hey, we have found the promised Savior. We have found Messiah. And this is that natural response that we looked at last time. When you meet Jesus, you want to tell other people about Jesus. But Nathanael, he's sort of got a smart aleck streak in him. Hey, we found Jesus, everything that we've been taught and everyone, all this time we've been waiting. We found Jesus of Nazareth. He's the son of Joseph. And his response, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And you just want to shake the guy. Are you kidding me? Anything good come out of Nazareth? Well, you have to understand that Nazareth did have a bad reputation. It was known for its crudeness and its immorality. It was known for all sorts of negative things that were in the city. So I could see that he would have a perspective like that, although it's not God's perspective. Because no matter what the reputation of any city, God doesn't see cities like you and I see cities. When God looks upon a city, whether it's an acceptable city or unacceptable city, whether it has a good reputation or bad reputation, God doesn't see cities like that. God sees people. He sent his son Jesus Christ not to die for cities, but to die for people. It reminded me as I was going through this of when we moved here in 1999. My company moved us out here and had given us some money to buy a house. So we came out on a house hunting trip. And we wanted to meet people. We, it was the first real time that we got to spend here in the city. And we would go all around looking at houses. We knew we were called to Aurora. We knew that my, my company was in Aurora. So we were moving out and we were meeting people. And, and the questions, of course, when you're meeting somebody new is, what are you doing here? It says, well, you know, we, are, we, we came from Southern Cal. We're, we're here to plant a church. And we would talk about the things of the Lord. And then the next question after what is Where? Where are you planning? Oh, you're going to start a church? You know, where, where is that? Where are you going to be? I heard about this church. And we would say, well, you know, we really believe God's called us to Aurora. And in an instant, their face changed. And that you could hear a sigh. And they said something along these lines. Aurora? Of all the cities in Denver, you're called to Aurora? You, you know Aurora, don't you? And I go, well, not, not really. Why don't you tell me? Well, you know, and they would start to label. You know, Aurora's got a high crime rate. Okay. Or Aurora's got this in it. Oh, okay. You know the reputation of Aurora? I mean, somebody even called Aurora, and I've heard it before. They called Aurora Saudi Aurora. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? You know, it's like you're trying to talk me out of coming where God wants me here. I even had a friend once I moved here. He looked at me and made the joke, can anything good come out of Aurora? Every time somebody would say something negative, it only really reaffirmed in my heart, yeah, that's where I want to be. Yeah, yeah, because God doesn't see that. He sees people that, that have great need. God does, you know, can, the, today we can answer the question, because anything good come out of Aurora? Let me just answer it for you. Absolutely yes. Yes, over the years, we as a church, and now there are many fine churches in our city, but I can only really speak for us. Over the years in our time being here, Aurora, this little church has become a hub of great things for our city. It's been a blessing to the city of Aurora. It's been a blessing to the city of Denver. It's been a blessing to the state of Colorado. It's been a blessing to the United States. It's been a blessing to the country, to the world. Yeah, can anything could come out of Aurora? Now I just slap people and now I just don't, I don't do that. In Jesus' name, you know, little Nehemiah, uh, pull out your beard for saying that, man. But the same was said for Jesus. Be careful and People try to discourage you with the reputations. And Jesus sees past that stuff. He wants to do a great work here. I know he's not even done of what he was doing. I was thinking, as we had the announcement earlier about our school, you know, we have almost 200 kids that are already enrolled in our school. And we have room for maybe 20 more 
You know, it's not that many. I mean, we're at capacity. We are filling this building during the week with every single square inch of this place is being used. And yet at the same time, my heart beats with our city that I'm very grateful to provide school for 230 kids. And I'm very grateful, man, because there was a time when we couldn't, that all you, the families that get to take advantage of it, the families that choose to do that, man, I am, I am so grateful. But I think God has more. Wouldn't it be cool to have 500 kids? Wouldn't it be cool to have 1,000 kids in a high school on this side of town where not only are we giving them the education that they need to be a success in the world today, but we're undergirding that education with the very foundations of who God is, how much God loves them. And when they navigate through our world and they go through in the highway, they become the lawyers and the doctors and the the truck drivers and everything else that God has called them to do, that they do so with a Christian worldview, with an undergirding of support and encouragement. I think there's still more to be done in our city. Now, I don't know how that's going to happen, but maybe some, somebody here has $15 million you want to donate. What are you laughing at? Like, that's what it's going to take. But you know what? To God, it's nothing. You know why? Because he doesn't see the reputation of our city. He doesn't just write Aurora off because it's over there or that thing happened. I know tragedies happen in our city. Just a couple years ago, a great tragedy happened just up the street when people went to watch a movie. Many of our own church were in those theaters. But you know, tragedy happens in our city. It happens in that city. It happens in that city. It happens in that city because people are there. And wherever people there are there, sin is there. And wherever sin is there, devastation and tragedy. So when you think of, you know, people making fun of your city or even, you know, you go to someone and you go, hey, you know, what would you do this weekend for Father's Day? Well, you know, I went to church first, took my dad to church. Where would you go to church? Calvary Chapel. Which one? Aurora. It's oh. like, hey, man, let me tell you something. God's working all throughout. Don't allow the reputation to discourage you because Jesus faced it, of course. Can we say today, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Yes, Jesus came out of Nazareth with all the reputation and things that that city contained. Verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Praise God that he loves smart alecks. That he's even able to look past some of the defense mechanisms that people have that will keep Jesus at arm's length. Even though Nathaniel had questions spiritually and reservations intellectually, and even he was a little testy and disrespectful, he accepts Philip's invitation to come and see. And it's an encouragement to us not to give up to, on the people that are around us. No matter how they respond to you, no matter what kind of vibe they're giving you, what kind of attitude they're throwing, hey, you know what? Jesus knows them. Jesus had, this was all a divine setup from God. And Jesus says something interesting, because I really think there's more, to the, there's more to the substance in verse 48 when Jesus says, I saw you. I really believe there's more because the way this all went down. I don't think it's just some casual glance. I think Jesus is speaking of his foreknowledge, his omniscience of really knowing this guy. And yes, he equates it to him sitting over on the fig tree so that he can give him a hook of where he is and what's going on in time. 
But I think Jesus is revealing to him that he really does know him, not just saw him. And he says something interesting in verse 47. You have to look it up in the original language to really catch it, but I'll help you with it today. He tells him this. He says, Behold an Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile or no deceit. Now, in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it's known as the Septuagint, where they took the Hebrew, they took the Hebrew text, translated into Greek, because the New Testament is already Greek. The Old Testament's in Hebrew. In the Septuagint, this word translated deceit here in the English has also been used to describe Jacob and translated Jacob. So now Jesus is using two phrases here that are very important. Now, those of you that are students of the Old Testament, you know that Jacob was sometimes referred to as Israel. And many times when you look at it, it's not completely all the time, but many times when you look at it, when he's referred to as Israel, which literally means to be governed by God or to be submitted to God or to be in an obedient state unto God, to be ruled and controlled over by God, relational. It's a relational word. When he's referred to as Israel, it's usually a positive time in his life where he's doing the right thing, where he's walking, he's walking in the spirit. He's living life for God. But when he is in the flesh and when he's making big mistakes, like you and I do from time to time, you'll see the Bible refers to him as Jacob. You know what Jacob means? It means heel catcher. He, he was a person that loved to take advantage of people. He could be deceitful at times, Jacob. So you've got this contrast between Israel governed by God and Jacob, the deceiver or the conniver. And here's what Jesus is saying. It's one of the highest compliments that he could give to a person. He's telling Nathaniel, you are someone that's governed by God. And I don't see any Jacob in you. I mean, can you imagine how that would feel? I don't see, you, you are a man that loves God. And I, don't, I just don't see any Jacob in you. You know, I've met a few people like this over the years. What I would describe them as, you know, that brother, that sister, there's no guile. You know, they, don't, they aren't smart alecky. They're not sarcastic. They're, they just seem to have this temperament about them where you just like, man, that guy, he's just no guile, no guile, no deceit in him. Nathaniel, you know, he's got that little edge to him. But when Jesus really looks upon his heart, you know what, you're, you're a man governed by God. I don't see Jacob in you. And his answer in verse 48 was, how do you know me? That was a huge, how do you know me? We just met. How could you possibly know that about me? How do you know what's deep down in my heart? Now, one commentator suggested this, and I can see it as a real powerful possibility. Let's just, you know, look at perhaps Nathaniel under the fig tree happened to have a scroll open. And he was studying through the book of Genesis around chapter 28. Because there in verse 51 at the end of the chapter, that's a quotation of Genesis chapter 28. It's the vision that Jacob had in the wilderness where he was wrestling with God. He saw the vision of the angels coming down and the, the spiritual ladder. And, and let's just say that, could it be that under the fig tree, completely concealed, Nathaniel was studying through the book of Genesis, or at the very least, meditating on it, just thinking about it. What is this about Jacob and the ladder? And there he is reading the story, and Jesus meets him, not only sharing his heart, but meeting Nathaniel right where he was. What a thought. Could be, we're not told in the text. But I see Jesus meeting him where he's at, and it reminds me that God will often meet me right where I am. He will meet me right where I am, both where I am in my present condition, but also where I am in the Word of God. That's why your devotional life is so valuable. 
I mean, you could do it like we, we have the cards that we put out for you so you can pray every day and read through the Bible every day. And, and you'll just be amazed that there you are just going through the daily Bible reading and then the Lord just meets you right there and has a word for you right there in the word. Or there you are flipping through the dial and you come across the station, you come across Grace FM here and you're listening to a Bible study and there you are, you're in the moment and God just met you there in the moment, had a word of wisdom, a word of encouragement, a word to strengthen you, a word to convict you, a word to stir you. And he'll use the entirety of God's word. You know, Bible study and devotions are not just intellectual times. They're not just to check a box and click a little thing on your, you know, maybe a reading plan on your phone. And you just go, boom, I read today. I got through it. I was a, no, no, there are spiritual time. There are profound times of spiritual equipping for you. And so you have the opportunity, some of you, to get up early in the morning and meet the Lord with your cup of coffee or your tea, and you just got the word open. You're like, Lord, meet me here. I've got the day ahead of me. And maybe you have to get out too quickly, and and it's not until lunchtime where you're able to crack open the word and go, man, I just need... Or you have such a crazy day that it's not until before dinner. You just, you have to stop and get something on the way home. You have your Bible there, and you open it up. I want you to know that where you are, God will meet you there. He's ready. He's ready to come and say, I saw you. You're over there under the fig tree. This is what I want to do in your life. And part of our time in devos is what we call them. That's just short for devotional, your devotional life. Our time in devos involves prayer, asking God to brighten, shine his light upon the truths we need most. Where we come and say, so I'm just not reading, you know, for you or I'm not reading for someone else. Don't you find it interesting that you're reading through the scriptures and a lot of times you go, man, this would be really good for so-and-so. And you text it to him. I said, that's great. But man, some of you, that's all you do. This is for so-and-so. This is for so-and-so. This is for so-and-so. And you've got everybody's name in your Bible and you forget. No, 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 no. That was for you. And you go, oh, no, no, it's not. It's not that. No, the nice ones are for me. The hard ones are for everyone else. It's like, no, no, no. The word of God is for you. And yes, yeah, sometimes he uses it to give it to someone else. But the word of God is for you. It's for me. It's a big challenge for me as a pastor because, you know, I spend a lot of time in the Word. And a lot of my time in the Word is for you. It's for us as a church. You know, these are, these are timeless truths, but they're also familiar truths. Many of you have already read through the Gospel of John. You've had other pastors teach you the Gospel of John. So the question becomes for me is, not only do I gain the observations of the text and the interpretation of the text, but I really need to be careful and sensitive to the Holy Spirit for the application of the text for us as a church. Not just for anybody, but for us. What's God speaking to us? What's God doing among us? But if I'm not careful, I will think of us more than I think of me. And really, in order to have a Bible study that's going to be powerful, and in order to have the Word of God come alive, it needs to come through the pastor, not from the pastor. Every good Bible teacher, whether you're teaching Sunday school or you're teaching a home Bible study or you're pastoring a church, the Bible has to come through you. And in order for the Bible to come through you, the Lord has to meet you where you're at. And you need to show up to that meeting. And I see a real intimacy here in the life of Nathaniel with Jesus. Just amazing. A touch from his spirit. Opening the word. Praying in our prayer closets. Seeking to give our tithes and offerings. Each time we're going to come back to this. And the Lord's going to meet you. And he's going to say something like, Hey, I saw you. I saw you. I've been with you. I know you. It's really cool, too, because you see this pattern that we saw last time in this section of Scripture. You see this pattern of somebody getting saved, somebody meeting Jesus, and immediately wanting to tell somebody else. It's just natural. We spent our whole time last week not only, find, not only learning how to share, but also learning that it's very natural 
for you to want to tell somebody, for you to go and tell someone, for you to go find. Remember the pattern just for, by way of review. Notice back in verse uh, 40, it says, One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother. And then notice verse 42, he brought him to Jesus. And we see the pattern now in verse 45. Philip, well, first of all, in verse 43, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee. He found Philip. And then verse 45, Philip found Nathanael and brought Nathanael to Jesus. It's a natural pattern that even lasts to this day. The gospel is preached. It's received. A heart is touched. A person is born again. And that change then leads to the gospel being preached. And that is the pattern that God still uses today continually. Beautiful that we get to be a part of it. The amazing flow of the Spirit of God. Thank you for joining us today as we study through the Bible and learn of God's abounding grace. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Are you interested in hearing this again? It's easy to do when you visit AboundingGraceRadio.com or through our church app. Do a search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play to download that to your mobile device. We're really excited about this month's offer. It's a book written by Chuck Smith. It's Love, The More Excellent Way. We say and sing that love makes the world go around, that love is the answer, and all you need is love. But what is love, really? And why is it so hard for so many to find? That and more is explored in Love, the More Excellent Way. And we'll send it your way with the gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace today. Call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, we're at 877-30-GRACE. You can also order it through our online store at calvaryco.store. Pastor Ed, there's quite a bit going on this weekend at Calvary Church, and it all starts tomorrow, Good Friday at noon. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what we have planned this year? We know it's interesting for us, Larry, in the 22 years that we've been a church. Our weekend services for Easter are very similar to every other weekend, with the exception of the topic. You know, we're going to be talking about the resurrection of Jesus, the hope in life by faith in Christ. He has overcome sin and death, and He alone is worthy of our worship and our praise, our adoration, our commitment, our self-sacrifice, because he's alive. He rose again from the dead, and he is entering into relationship with all those who will come to him by faith, repenting of their sins, and humbling themselves before the mighty hand of God. And so every year, it's, it's the similar message, a similar time, but at the same time, it's also an exciting time because we add services, uh, we have a lot more people coming through, we get to serve a lot more people, and what an honor and a privilege it is. So everything for us starts Friday, Good Friday at noon. It's a lunchtime service, and we'll have you out in time to get back to work, and it's very, very well attended, and it's a solemn day. It's it's sort of designed to, to have you feeling the weight of the crucifixion, of the scourging of Jesus. And then our resurrection services actually begin Saturday night at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m., two services. And then we're going to wake up Sunday morning super early, and we're going to show up at the building 6.45 a.m., 8.45, and 10.45. All the information you need about our church is at calvaryco.church. That's calvaryco, stands for Colorado, calvaryco.church. 
or as I've encouraged you before, and I'll keep encouraging you, you know, never before have we used the app for these notifications, like to get urgent info out. So download our church app. It's absolutely free. All of our resources are available there. Just go to your app store or Google Play. Put my name in there, Ed Taylor. Our app will pop up. Make sure you turn on notifications. If you have the app and you're not getting notifications, delete it, re-download it, and answer yes to that notification pop-up so that we, and we won't bombard you, uh, but we will send you urgent things that you can pray about us, or pray about us, pray with us, pray for us, not only our church, but our media ministries, our radio network, our mission trips, like we just had a team on the ground in Ukraine, and we were giving instant information on the team and prayer requests, that type of stuff. So we won't bombard you, but we will communicate with you because these are the days of good communication. So thanks, guys. Bless you. Happy Resurrection Weekend. May the Lord use this time to bring many to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. Go to calvaryco.church for more information or to watch our live stream. And then join us tomorrow when Pastor Ed Taylor will share a special Easter message here on Abounding Grace. We'll be in 1 Corinthians 15 if you want to read ahead. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.